Welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week we're discussing Star Trek Discovery, Season 2, Episode 12, Through the Valley of the Shadows. This episode was written by the writing team Bo Yun Kim and Erica Lepolt, and they also wrote the Season 1 episode Into the Forest I Go and the Season 2 episode Sound of Thunder. This episode was directed by Doug Er... Let me try that again. Arniokoski? <laughs> I think? <laughs> yes, I think, I think. This is directed by Doug Arniokoski. He directed the Season 1 episode Lethe and the Season 2 episode Sound of Thunder. Which one was Sound of Thunder? Mm, I have to refresh my memory So it was a very memorable one. episode. I have a really hard time getting the names of episodes fixed in my head. Gotcha. Um, even for Star Trek episodes that I've seen a million times from Deep Space Nine or Next Gen, it's very few of them, the episodes actually ring in my head. That's the one where the signal appears over Saru's home planet. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, any, any announcements or anything? I don't think we have any announcements, except that we're coming up to, like, the last couple episodes of season two. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we have to figure out what we're going to do after that. Well, most importantly, we're going to take a little bit of a break first. Yes. Yes. And we are excited. Or, I'm excited, because I do a lot of podcasts. <laughs> I'm excited, because this leads right up to the end of my course, mm. and I will finally get a chance to read and do some fun things great but, um so jen yeah did you like this episode uh, uh you can say no I, I don't know it's it's kind of a meh episode yeah i felt the same about this one as i did about last week's where there were some good scenes but mm -hmm. overall i just didn't really care for the episode mm -hmm. and like a bunch of the klingon stuff I'm trying to decide if it's kind of cool or or not. I don't know. I don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm just very used to any delves into Klingon history and politics being much more like warrior-like mm -hmm. in focus. And this was not. And so I'm trying to decide if I like this part of Klingon society and culture interesting okay so in this episode we start off with michael being all sad there's a phone call from amanda then they find out there's a signal over boreth so they have to go in all of this tyler and laurel end up telling everybody about the baby somebody has to go down to boreth but of course it can't be tyler because he's supposed to be dead so pike goes down and while that's going on, Michael decides to run down this thing about a Section 31 ship not checking in on time. So she ends up going to do that, and Spike sort of uh, goes along with her, and they have another encounter with the AI. While Pike is off getting a time crystal and getting a flash forward into his future. I didn't interrupt you at the time, but you smooshed mm -hmm. their names and it was hilarious. You said Spike. <laughs> did i okay uh so what do you want to talk about in this one well i made some notes as i was watching 
because a lot of what happened in this episode upset me <laughs> or I thought was poorly done. So I was trying to make notes to see if I could find anything good. And okay. they were a few and far between. I okay, well, I liked Amanda. You know, I liked that Spock reached out and was like, Burnham could, could use to hear from you, actually. And mm. told her what happened and everything. And then, and I thought that was good. In general, I thought the, the ongoing Spike... Uh, spike. <laughs> <laughs> the ongoing Spock and Burnham relationship, sibling relationship... I like those parts. Yeah, yeah. There's they they were very good when when Michael was leaving on the shuttle, and it was very clear that somebody was going to show up for just a second. I thought it was going to be Tyler, and that was going to be terrible. But then it mm -hmm. was Spock, and I was like, "Oh no, this will be good." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. I mean, like, I didn't like the parts where they're on the mission and making very stupid choices. Oh well, yeah, obviously. But the, you know, the sibling part is, is good. Yes. Although they did call each other sister and brother, which I always just think sounds ridiculous in English. Because nobody actually does that. No, but I thought it was, like, pointed. Like, I thought it was like, thanks, brother. No, it, it, was, it like... was, and I get it, but it still sounded dumb. <laughs> and maybe that's just because I've watched so much dubbed anime where they translate it to them like saying sister and brother and i'm just over <laughs> like it never sounds natural it never sounds good and you should just right. not do that anyways so that's i i just have bad history with that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i liked that oh and i wanted to bring up that it has occurred to me retroactively mm -hmm. that their plan for the sphere data into the suit doesn't make sense because when you transfer a file you're not, like, mm -hmm. getting rid of it. You're just making a copy of it on the other hard drive or whatever. You know? They, like, unless they have a completely different way of transferring files in the future, <laughs> they would still have it on Discovery and be unable to delete it. Right, right. Like, what makes them think that the program isn't just gonna, like, make a copy, like a duplicate? Yeah. Instead of just, uh... Because that, that is what transferring files is. Making a copy of it. So, I mean, like, on your local computer, you can, like, move a file from this folder to this folder. Yeah, but even, like, opening a file, but, that is technically making a copy of it. Right. So, like, every, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And I can't believe I didn't think of that last week. Maybe I'm forgetting what they actually said and they found a way around that and I just don't remember because I, I didn't rewatch or anything. No, 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 but, I'm pretty sure that was not addressed. It doesn't make any sense. Also, this seems a good point to uh, give a shout out to uh, Dr. Anya, Strangely Liter Literal, mm -hmm. at Strangely Literal on Twitter, because she tagged us in on a conversation um, or a thread on Twitter where somebody was like, look, I design critical systems networks, and there, there would be no way that like an incoming message from subspace would be able to get into your critical systems. Like, they're designed to be, like, isolated and protected. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't go all the way through the thread, but I feel like, you know, this person would also have picked up on the fact that you can't just, you know, you're just be making a copy. You're not actually solving a problem. Yeah. And so then when the signal shows up, uh, somebody mentions that, you know, the Red Angel can't be in charge of that because the Red Angel doesn't have a suit anymore or whatever. The suit's broken. 
And mm-hmm. I think that that showcases a fundamental misunderstanding of time travel. It could absolutely <laughs> be the Red Angel again from before that happened. <laughs> because time travel. So much happens in this episode. We're like, this doesn't make sense. But it does because time travel. That's a good point. And also, like, they've established that the Red Angel has shown up at those signals. But they haven't necessarily shown that those signals originate from the Red Angel. Well, yeah, in fact, they've said that it doesn't. It, but that's right. What I'm saying is that the Red Angel could still show up at the signals if the writers wanted them to. Right, and it could be the signals could even be completely independent from the Red Angel suit traveling. Yeah, it could be something that's generated just from the suit that goes through the you know time stream. But here's like another bit of time travel: the Red Angel. Uh, you know, Dr. Mom, Mom Burnham, there we go, could, like an earlier version of her could still come back and they could try the whole plan again, which we actually just decided doesn't make sense. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. This time, I don't understand why everybody's just, you know, that was our last chance. Time travel means it wasn't your last chance. Yeah. Unless you're going with like the Doctor Who theory of like, you can't ever go back to the same point in time. Otherwise, like. But it wouldn't be the same point if they got an earlier version of, of, of Michael's mom to come back mm-hmm. and they did something then that maybe I'm trying to make this all work in the timeline now that maybe she was not aware of so that mm-hmm. she still didn't. So that when they see her later or even just told her, you know, when you see us later, act like it's the first time. And then right, when right. Leland destroys the suit, that destroys whatever they did. That could be it. Yep. I don't know. Anyways, I think they're very misusing the time travel here. That's all I'm saying. Both like the characters and the writers. This is partly why I just like time travel as a thing. You start to do it because you think it's cool. But then there's just so many what ifs. It's really hard to actually do it exceptionally well. I like it when it's done well. You know, when they've thought about all this stuff, when they talk about mm-hmm. all this stuff that you can still do and use and mm-hmm. even come up with some sort of an explanation as to why that's not possible. Like maybe all of her jumps were like uh, from the future, but synced up to our timeline somehow so that, you know, that so that w- she won't be coming back anymore. You know, just right. have somebody have an off, you know, a one off line about that. Then sure. But nobody has. So I don't see why nobody's thinking maybe we could find an earlier version of her jumping back to now. Right. Time travel. What's your next thing? My next thing is they find an alive body in space. And they're like, yeah, seems legit. (laughs) Yeah, well, they find uh, Cameron Gant. Is that his name? Uh. I think that's his name. Yeah. They just, like, absolutely trust him. Yep. Even though they know that Leland is nanobots and looks yep. like Leland and that yep. everybody was floating in space. Yeah. And I mean, on the one hand, I didn't like their suggestion just to be like, hey, we need you to go back to the ship. And he's like, uh, no, I think so. I had a traumatic experience there. Just about died. And they're like, hey, we need you to go back to the ship. And, like, I, I didn't like that in general. Mm-hmm. It, I don't think it would have been a better decision to leave him behind and go without him to the ship. No. Because then he could have just destroyed them. So I, it was, yeah. But that's not why they made that decision. No, no, no. It's not like they were thinking about that. Yeah. So I skipped over a bunch of like Klingon and Pike stuff. But can, most of that stuff I was just okay with. Oh, can I Can I get on, yes, of course. on some of the Klingon and Pike stuff? So, okay. Um, 
the Pike stuff, I was generally fine with. I actually think Anson Mount's performance through this was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I had trouble... Well, the aesthetic of Boroth kind of threw me out a little. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not the Klingon sort of thing that I'm used to. Um, it just looked very different and had a very different vibe in the monastery. Mm-hmm. It was pointed out online that, like... Oh hey, this Klingon monastery has a lot of classic Catholic architecture elements, which I mean, kind of whatever. But then a lot of things, a lot of other stuff was going on with the time crystals. Like, okay, so they have these time crystals. These time guardians are keeping them a secret, and at first they're like, no one may take them. And then Pike's like, but like, bad stuff's gonna happen. And they're like, okay, we'll let you in. Like, was that easy? <laughs> I found the whole, like, you're passing the pillar of the blah, and this is the pillar of the present, and you have to put in a key, and, like, all of that to be... Dumb? Perhaps unnecessary? Or at least, like, I'm very used to the Klingons who, like, have a story for everything. Who have a tradition, who have an epic tale Mm. for everything, and I would have liked for them to have evoked that as they were going through. Right. Um, even if it didn't have to do with, like, the warrior element of it, if they would have kept that tradition of Klingons as these, you know, epic uh, bards who love to regale others about their, you know, noble acts, like, if they would have kept that part and brought it in through here, I thought that would have been a a way better way than just have, like, you know, time will tell as... (laughs) The cheesy one-liner, which didn't sound at all actually Klingon. One of the cool things was that Laurel and Ash's son is played by Ken Mitchell, who's now played three different Klingons in two seasons of Star Trek. Oh, nice. Yeah. He was very Klingon-looking, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. He reminded me more of traditional Klingons. Mm Mm-hmm. And I did like... That his, like, mannerisms and everything were different right. in it. Uh, so that was cool. And I think, actually, that Mark Leonard, who originally played Sarek in the original series, mm-hmm. has also played three different people. Hmm. Interesting. And then um, I think there's another actor who played three different characters in Star Trek as well. And his name is escaping me. And that's just a crime. Um, so, what's about um Pike's vision? Mm-hmm. Is that something that we know? Like, is that something that's in Star Trek canon? Yes, but we've never seen it. So, the events were told about mm-hmm. in the original series episodes. Uh, the so yeah, the menagerie. Right. Um. So. Those are the episode. The Menagerie is the episode that is just all the flashbacks to the cage. Right. But Pike is in the wheelchair at that point, mm-hmm. debilitated because of the accident. Okay, but do they say what the accident is? I, from my memory, yes. They say that there was a training accident and he was like, I mean, they say it was a training accident. Okay. They don't go to a beat by beat explanation. Right, gotcha. Um, so yeah, that is canon. Okay. So. I thought it was... Okay, so now I'm going to be referencing some Star Trek mm-hmm. stuff. 
So if I'm wrong, I mean, it's highly likely. But he's trapped in the room with radiation, they said, right? Sure, yeah. And he, like, puts his hand up on the glass, which is similar yeah. to how Spock yeah. dies. Yeah. Yes, yep. that's... I'm not wrong? You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. It was evocative of the uh, Star Trek II Wrath of Khan famous scene. Yes. All right. All right. Go me. Yeah. Like, they must have done that on purpose. Pretty sure, yeah. So I'm, I'm intrigued as to, like, why. Why? Yeah, why would they do that? Like, are they just making a visual reference? Is it I more th than that? I think it was a visual reference. I think it's also... Uh, evoking the relationship between Pike and Spock. Right. So more about the menagerie that Kate doesn't know mm -hmm. is that Spock goes rogue and, like, tries to take the ship and Pike and disobey orders to get him to this planet. Okay. And they're filling in some of the reason why Spock would do this. Okay. So now in... Discovery, we're not just getting Spock's knowledge of the accident and his knowledge of the um, the cage and all of that, but we're also filling in, like, how much Pike has helped Spock out mm -hmm. with everything and how, how crucial Pike has been to saving all sentient life and things like that. Right. So I think it was just also, like, a visual tie between, you know, this accident and then... In the future, after that, Spock will also be dying from radiation poisoning. I think it was just to trigger all the feels. Okay. I didn't need the face melting. Yeah, it was pretty horrific. Yeah, I just don't need that in my life. Yeah. But again, I think it was a powerfully acted scene by Anson Mount. And I'm seeing so much raving about his performance. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people on the fan... Sites are calling for a, a Captain Pike spinoff. I've heard... Well, I haven't actually looked into this, so maybe I shouldn't say anything. But I've heard that he's not the best actor to work with. Oh, really? I don't remember where I read hmm. that, or if there was any truth to it. I could be 100% wrong. Interesting. Anyways, so more ranting about time crystals. Mm -hmm. uh, so if these time crystals were on Boroth, uh, and the Klingons needed a time crystal for their time travel... And, like, obviously the Chancellor knows about it, because Lorel knows about it, then would the Klingons have to go and try and get the time crystal from uh, Leland and Michael's parents? I think the only cool kind of explanation for this mm -hmm. would have been that whoever got the time crystal to give to Leland stole it from Boroth. And then it would have been more interesting if it would have been, like, monks chasing oh that would have been interesting warrior monks. instead of them being blasted by you know yeah klingon warriors it would have been like no we have to like wipe out everyone who's knows about these time crystals you have them now you have to die the only other explanation i thought of was that they just didn't want starfleet to have them mm -hmm. so it wasn't about getting it back for them it was about getting it away from starfleet right right which makes sense because they had a prototype suit yeah does the existence of all these uh, time crystals, like, upset continuity from the Temporal Cold War or whatever? Well, no, because the Temporal Cold War is never mentioned, aside from Enterprise. Right, but wasn't that about time travel? 
Ah, uh, yes. And wouldn't Klingons have had all these time crystals? I don't believe it was ever mentioned in Enterprise. Right, but now they're saying that that's what this has... No, I think... I, I think it's different. Because the Temporal Cold War was about other aliens that were not Klingons getting oh. time travel technology. Oh, I thought it was about Klingons. Okay, never mind, never mind. No, and it was like, there's a time war in the future, and they've come back to the time of Enterprise. Okay, never mind then. Yeah. However, apparently there is a Voyager episode that features a green Klingon time travel device mm -hmm. that at least matches with the color of the time crystals. Oh, okay. That's cool. So, yeah. Yeah, so that is cool. So yeah, that's my that's my basic rant about the time crystals. Um my one thing is that like like they sort of ended the last episode with that whole idea that the future isn't written yet. Oh yeah. And then this episode they went sort of the opposite way and was like he must accept his future. Like but but you just said but yeah. And like I'm fine with each scene individually, but having them both so close together it, it seems like you're going back on your own themes or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, was there a need for us to see Laurel and Tyler's son grown up? Um, I don't think there's a need, but I didn't, I didn't mind it. That didn't bother me at all. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I did like that Pike accepted his future, and like mm -hmm. doesn't and doesn't doesn't do that thing where he's like, "I'll take this," but I'm sure there's a way around it. You know, he's just like, well, that's not what I was hoping for myself, but you know what? Gotta save the world, so. Yeah, yeah. It was funny on one of the posts about Pike, somebody did the line of dialogue where he's saying, you know, my my career has been based on all these things and I'm not going to, mm -hmm. you know, stop choosing this just because there is a future I didn't anticipate. Um, And I had posted that, you know, Based on the cage, Pike was one of my least favorite captains. Mm -hmm. Like, he was way down low because he was so sexist. So I was so glad that they, like, rebooted the character mm -hmm. and removed the sexism. And I got comments back explaining to me that he wasn't sexist. Of course. It was just of the time. So, yeah, that was fun this week. Um, but I'm still so glad this has been the best reboot character, like... It just delights me. It is very good. So, uh, other okay, another thing that I really liked is mm -hmm. I thought Reno really summed up why I had been so upset with Culber. Okay. Because when she sort of went into medical to call him on his shit, and, like, she sort of mentions, you know what? My wife's dead. A lot of people are dead. And you have a second fucking chance. And a whole lot of us would kill for that. Like, a lot of that is in subtext. It was a really good scene. Mm -hmm. And I liked it a lot. Yeah, I I kind of go back and forth on that scene. Whether invoking her own dead wife is, uh, if she's being a friend, or if that was a bit of a dick move. Why do you think it would be a dick move? Well, it's like, it's like weaponizing your own trauma. To be fair, I don't it's think like, Reno is being a friend. I don't think she gives a damn. About friendship with these particular people. Right. So you think that it really just is like, you know, she needs to to work better? I mean, and I, I actually, okay, let me backtrack on that. I think she would like to be friends. You know, I don't think she's a bad person. Mm -hmm. But I also don't think that her, that she's worried about being nice. 
Right, right. Yeah, okay. And, I don't know, she wasn't the one who brought it up. He asked about it. So maybe, maybe she wouldn't have, if he hadn't said anything. Maybe she would have just said, get your shit together. Well, did he bring it up? Yeah, he said, well, he I didn't know you were married. And then, well, because they were talking about wedding stuff. No, no, no. They were talking about that after he asked. After he said, I didn't know you were married. She didn't bring it up at all. Oh, that's right, because he's looking at her hand because he sees a ring or whatever. Yeah, and like you could say that she manipulated that situation. Absolutely, maybe she did. But she's still right. not the one who brought it up. True. The, the part of this episode that actually made me laugh was her line. Because she comes into sick bay and <laughs> there's two things impeding her work one's a hangnail and the other thing that's impeding her work is an idiot who came back from the dead and his name rhymes with poo right <laughs> which just made me laugh and that partly might have tickled my funny bone just so much because i have two boys who are very much in the f in the phase of their lives <laughs> where poo and fart comes up on the regular <laughs> and yeah it just made me giggle i'm glad you still find it funny <laughs> Oh, and my kids do it all the time. It's not. But this was actually, you know, employed a little bit more poetically than my children do. Right. So, like it, hate it. Was Reno being a dick? I mean, she, does, is yeah. Reno ever not being a dick? Like, that's mm -hmm. kind of why I love her. She's, she's a bit of a dick. Well, true. You know, yeah, and as somebody who can sometimes be a bit of a dick, I appreciate that. <sighs> Especially at work. <laughs> Um, can we talk a bit about the part where they go onto a ship that might be controlled by the Section 31 AI okay. and are just, like, talking out loud about their plans to try and... They gave him so much information about what they would do. And he's literally a threat assessment computer who takes information and use... <laughs> oh my fucking god. Yes, it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, I, w I was like... Uh, um. Yeah, uh, if if AI is in this computer and all the systems, like, what do you think allows you to communicate from the bridge to the engineering room? There's microphones all over the goddamn place. Even if it's not this physical person here listening, yeah. everything you say, you have to assume is being monitored. Like, come on. Yep, they were they were not being smart. And <sighs> no. you know what? I could 100% see Michael not being smart right now. That was the whole point of this. She she even said, she said she was enraged. And then Spock was all, you know, rage is the enemy of logic. But Spock right. was there to help her with that. And he I know. just went along with everything too. And oh my God. One of the things I'm hoping they finally figure out is that because they're siblings, mm -hmm. they will have the ability to speak in a code the AI cannot parse. Right. Because they can speak referentially to their personal history. Mm -hmm. And I just want to see a scene like that. I gotcha, I gotcha. You know, I just want to see a scene where it's referencing, you know, the the blah with the blah, or like, you know, chess moves, or like, you know, do you remember that game of chess we played where blah, 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 and it's like this to this, and the control's not going to know what the next move was because it wasn't at that chess game. Right. You know? Like, I kind of want to see that be part of how they overcome this. I don't think I'm going to get it. I'm pretty sure I'm not. Yeah. Because clearly this is not the first time that these characters have been completely stupid about giving information to the thing they're trying to stop. So. Yeah. Oh, and when... Okay, just a brief aside. When Pike comes back to the ship from mm -hmm. being, you know, down in the monastery, 
and he's mm-hmm. he mentions that he met their son as an adult mm-hmm. and then they sort of say what what and he says something like i don't think i could explain it if i tried and i'm like dude ti- time crystals done <laughs> that's the explanation they both know about them pike yeah. it's okay <laughs> like it's a two-word explanation time crystals yeah uh, so then they're all back together on the ship and they have a time trap, they have a time crystal mm-hmm. and then a whole fleet of section 31 ships show up. No, 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 no. No. What? what 30 what, what ships. Nearly the entire fleet. Oh, okay. Do you nearly think the, the entire, entire fleet is 31 ships? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> that made me laugh. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. And... Then they're like, okay, well, let's just call the Enterprise in here and we'll blow up the ship. I wonder why they didn't do that earlier. I don't know. Although, I mean, uh, a major military that's just come through a war. Okay, 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 wait, wait, wait. You know, you wouldn't just discard a ship unless you had to. Sure, but like, they don't even need to blow up the whole ship. They just need to destroy the hard drive that the data's on. That's true. Like, even if they can't delete it... Take the physical storage thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Take the drive. Just take a hammer. Smashy, smashy. Smashy, smashy. Maybe some fire. Send it into a sun. Yeah. Actually, don't do that. It might slingshot around the sun and travel into the... Right, yeah. Don't do that. But, you know... Don't do that. A hammer and some flames and, you know, just have fun with it. Just put it in, like, an isolated room on the ship and go to town. They have a ship full of scientists. I'm pretty sure they could... You know, explore yeah. various ways to destroy something like that. Yeah. Pour some coke on it. That fucking destroys everything. I don't know. <laughs> I just Water is really effective, too, over time. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think they need to destroy the entire ship. I think they just need to destroy wherever the data is. Right. However, I don't think that necessarily solves the larger problem of the control AI Still trying to kill everyone. No, but neither does blowing up Discovery. That's true, but they are imminently about to possibly be taken over. And then, anyway. Well, then get get the AI on the comms and destroy it so that he can see. <laughs> be like, dude, we don't have it anymore. Also, okay, when they're trying to decide what to do, and mm-hmm. Pike is all, we've got a time crystal, we can do this, and then, or I forget what he says, something something like that and then michael says we don't have time to figure it out i'm like this season is about time travel (laughs) (laughs) you can make time literally (laughs) has no one thought to call mud and been like we we need your help now (laughs) we need to loop through this and sort of like figure out how we don't have this problem again one of the things that was kind of good which was a little subtle but we sort of got Cameron explaining a motivation of the control AI because mm-hmm. he said that he wanted to guarantee a future without war. Right, which is what we were saying it was probably going to be. Yeah. And I said I didn't want it to be that because that's been done. Yeah, yeah. And I just, part of me wishes that instead of just trying to focus on stopping the AI, mm-hmm. someone on Discovery was trying to s- figure out why the AI was doing this. And then, you know, trying to figure out a better solution. But man, a really bad possible ending came up to me, Kate. Mm -hmm. 
what if, like in the fifth element, they have to demonstrate to the AI that the risk of war is worth it because of the possibility of love <laughs> Okay, I... with Ash and Burnham? Oh, Jesus. I don't think they'll do that. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> I don't think they'll do that because we've seen that something happens to the Discovery. Right. And that the crew disappears from it. And it has to stay in one... Like, we, we've seen that there's something going on. Which leads me to, you know, ask, what's going to happen to the ship? Are they actually going to blow it up? No, I don't think so. But are they going to have to end this season with abandoning it somewhere? Or do we think this is going to stretch on through season three? I don't know. I guess we'll see. I don't think they're going to blow it up. Because we've seen it in the short tracks. That is true. So, logic would say they're not going to blow it up. Although I am kind yeah. of excited for the idea of them all going over to the Enterprise. That could be interesting. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing number one again. Right. And uh, I think we're going to get Pike at least into an Enterprise uniform. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, do you think that the Discovery crew should switch their uniforms? I think they should for in-world reasons. I don't think they're going to because the show wants to keep their own look. Mm -hmm. So out-world reasons. Right. But I actually kind of like their uniforms better than the mm -hmm. original series one. Yeah, I also kind of like the blue uh, Discovery outfits better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I'm trying to picture the crew wearing the colored outfits, and it's just... No, I don't like it. Yeah, very difficult. Tilly's red hair would not go with anything. Yeah, and then would she be in the engineering... I can't remember which division she's officially in right now, but she wants to be leadership, right? Mm. Which is, yeah, which is gold. It wouldn't be good. Anyways, is there anything else in the episode that we needed to chat more about? I saw a lot online that just said this was a pointless filler episode. Do you agree? Kind of, yes. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a little bit of fan service to give the vision for Pike. Right. To fill that in. A lot about Pike, though, has been kind of fan service -y, so... This, this is true. And then we also had to bring the Klingons in a little bit more. And get some Klingon myth sort of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Which I don't think they did as well as they could have. Mm -hmm. And it didn't really get the crew any closer to solving anything. Yeah, I don't... I didn't... Like, we didn't really see the signal... Or, like, I guess it brought them there to get the time crystal? But yeah, but usually it's been saving someone or something, right? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't learn anything new in this episode. Right. And there's three signals left and only two episodes left, right? Oh, gosh, you're right. Yeah, two more episodes, three signals. And they didn't, I don't even really feel like this one is resolved. I mean, I guess, I guess the point of this signal was to bring them to the time crystals. But it still just felt like, blah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, so, bit of a filler episode. Yeah, I don't feel like it pushed us along in the plot at all. Mm -hmm. But again, I enjoyed some of the individual scenes, and I really didn't like some, or I thought some of the individual scenes were real ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it had some really good Reno scenes. The uh, cafeteria one was really good, too. Mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. That one was funny. It was. With a little bit of Linus. And, but it was in the middle of such a do nothing episode yeah so one kind of star trek easter egg that came up was with the time crystal stuff when they were pike was on the planet and the sun whose name i can't remember 
uh, is explaining that it's gives them the namesake of their planet Kronos. Because, mm-hmm. of course, Kronos is related to, like, Chrono time. Oh. Yeah. So wait, I'm confused. Is it Kronos or is it Kronos? Like, I don't understand. Well, I think it's Kronos, but they're still making, like, the the connection. So, like, the English translation is Kronos or something. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. And they shouldn't have it be so similar in Klingon, but whatever. That's fine, then. <laughs> yeah, so. I was actually wondering about that, because the words didn't sound at all similar. Oh, between the time crystal? Well, he and... said, when he said, it gives us, you know, it's why we named our planet this, and I was just like, what, what, what? It, like, they just didn't, the words didn't sound at all similar. Yeah. Don't, don't look too closely at it. Oh, okay. It's like, there's also the Romulan Empire, mm-hmm. and there's Remans, and there's, like, Romulus and Remus, and all of that is in there. R- anyway. Okay. So, I think that's it? I think so. What is next week's episode called? Next week's episode is called Such Sweet Sorrow. Interesting. Parting from the ship. I do not like a Romeo and Juliet line. It just because of what it could mean for the episode, or because you don't like Romeo and Juliet? I don't like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. It's such a famous line, I don't associate it directly with Romeo and Juliet. I guess. It's just famous Shakespeare line. Generic. Yeah. All right. Well, Jen, do you have any recommendations? I just wanted to quickly give out one other shout out to our listener, Cassie Mack. Sure. Uh, She asked for a signal boost on Twitter for some information last week coming from my recommendation last Mm -hmm. week. And so she I've retweeted it on our Twitter stream and it's something from Mm autisticadvocacy.org. which is about Autism Speaks and why you should not donate money to them. Right. So I just wanted to give a brief shout out. And then, do I have any recommendations? Yes. I will recommend Queer Eye more than a makeover. Interesting. I have watched all three seasons now. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And I need more. I don't really think of that as a gen-type show, so I'm intrigued. I'm, really? well, I'm intrigued that you like it. It's it's not it's not my type of thing, but um, so what type of thing do you like? When I say it's not my type of thing, what I mean is I do not watch anything resembling reality TV. I hate it. Okay. Um. See, this is very much like I don't consider it in the same vein as a lot of other reality TV shows. No, I know. I just so. I... No, no, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Um. But when they go into this person's life, they're not just about, like, making it pretty or, like, tidying things up or making it something that's not them. They're all about working with people's authentic selves and showing them how, you know, just to love themselves. Okay, now now that you describe it that way, it does sound very much like a Jen thing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I can't help... It is very manipulative. Right, but also, like, putting it, or not putting it, what I can't think of the gosh darn word, equating it, I guess, with the original, which was very much like a TLC show, even if it wasn't TLC, you know, that type of thing. Right. And right. I just hate them. 
See, I haven't seen the original. I never did either, but I've just, I just, okay. that's what I think of it as. Right. And they right. just make me angry. It has a little bit of that to it. And it, like I said, it's very manipulative in that, like, they cut together scenes and sequences to, like, tug at your emotions specifically. And so, like, I'm aware of the parts where they're, you know, going for a certain effect and things like that. But I do think that the Fab Five are actual, genuine, caring people mm-hmm. who really just want people to look and feel good about themselves. Right. They want to have them have confidence. They want to help them take care of themselves. They want them to realize that they are wonderful just the way they are. And they're not trying to change any of that essentialness. They're just trying to help guide people to let the the outer choices um, help them feel better about who they are. Right. So. Okay, and I also, I am very understanding that my opinion is unreasonable. Like, <laughs> not based in fact. It's just there, and I can't get rid of it. Oh, yeah. And it's it's not for everyone. So... I, I do acknowledge that. Anyways, um, my recommendation this week is mm-hmm. a new uh, anime show that I started watching called My Roommate is a Cat. <laughs> okay. And it's about sort of a recluse author who mm-hmm. comes across a stray cat and is inspired to write a book. So takes the cat home with him and then has to deal with, now I live with a cat. And he doesn't really like talking to people or leaving his house, but the cat sort of keeps forcing him to do these things. Right. And so the first half of the episode is told from his point of view, and the second half of the episode is told from the cat's point of view. (laughs) So sometimes you see the same instances told from the two points of view. And the cat, like, when you're seeing from her point of view, she has, like, a voice and a personality, and it's really great. Okay. And the first couple episodes are just, like you know, misunderstandings between the two of them, and it's funny. But then as it goes on, you sort of see that, like, (laughs) there's a lot. The cat has a very tragic backstory, and if you're not interested in seeing some cats die, uh, don't watch this. (gasps) Okay. And it's all just sad, and suddenly it's really just about, like, finding family and being lonely. And so it's funny and ridiculous, but also really serious and sad and sweet when when the two of them are just like, well, I guess we're family now and we have to take care of each other. Okay. So <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's really good. It sounds interesting. Yeah. Sounds cool. And seeing things from the cat's point of view is a lot of fun. She's always trying to give him food, but obviously always trying to give him her food and then gets right. really upset when he doesn't eat it. <laughs> right. Yeah, because I've I've actually heard that uh, cat psychology works that mm-hmm. way. Like cats view people as like uh, baby cats or incompetent cats. <laughs> yeah. And so they're trying to like show us how we're supposed to do stuff. So like when they bring us food, it's like okay, you you haven't been catching anything. Like here, take this yeah. half dead bird and eat it. So yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, the cat has a tragic backstory, and the person who recommended this show to me said that it was some nice fluff and that I would enjoy it, and I was very upset with her after (laughs) when I spent, like, a whole episode sobbing. Oh, man. Yeah. So, that's 
That's why sometimes I don't like to recommend uh, ongoing things to people. Right. Uh, just because it's like, oh, yeah, this seemed like it was all about this. And then it turned out very, very differently. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, as long as I was warned, I still would have watched it. Right, was... right. Anyways, it was fine. It was good. All right. Well, I guess I think that's it. I think so. So thank you for listening. Join us next week for our discussion of Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 13, Such Sweet Sorrow. If you have any questions or comments or, you know, theories about how Season 2 is going to end, you can contact us at own at gmail.com or at own on Twitter and watch our Instagram, instagram.com slash own, where I try and share a screenshot or two from each week's episode. About a week late, you know, but still, better late than never. All right, uh, we will see you all next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.